Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of your grace and of your mercy. Lord, we thank you for Christmas, a dedicated time in society where we can remember and celebrate when you came um, into the world to save us and to fix this problem of sin. Lord, thank you that the stories of you and of men and women who loved you are embedded in our society all around us, Lord. And may we use those stories to have spiritually orientated conversation with others. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. So a couple years ago, I watched a kid's video about Christmas. Um, it, was, it was actually put together by a guy by the name of Phil Vischer. Uh, some of you may remember the VeggieTales series, so that was something that he did. And then later on in life, he did another series called um, What's in the Bible, and it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. Um, and, then, and then he had a, a video that he did on Christmas, right? And like it's, like it's puppets, right? Like I'm not going to glamorize this. Like it's just puppets, and they whatever, talk and sing and dance and that kind of thing. Blew my mind absolutely amazing. Um, Christmas is filled with all kinds of symbols and traditions and that kind of thing. And and at first glance, it appears like we kind of have two distinct camps and they don't really intermingle at all, right? So Christmas, like, I mean, are we, is this about Santa Claus? Is this about Jesus? Is this about wise men? Is this about reindeer, right? Is this Christmas trees or you know, like, I mean, like, what do we, what do we do with it? And it, and it just feels like they're, they're two distinct groups with no overlap at all. Well, that video kind of sent me kind of down the rabbit hole or on a journey of looking at all the different historic symbols and what we have um, today during Christmas. When it comes to ministry here at the church, I think there's incredible value in equipping you with just whatever I can for tools for life and work and personal ministry and evangelism and personal holiness. And so as much as I can equip you for Monday to Saturday, that's a win, right? Like we, I mean, Sunday is important, but the goal is what does Monday to Saturday look like for you? And a part of that is evangelism. And evangelism is good and necessary and it's commanded and it's fantastic and that kind of thing. But we we, we kind of tend to psych ourselves out with the word, um, and there's and we could talk a lot about evangelism. We have talked a lot about it. But for this morning, I would just simply say, though, um, that kind of almost like a, a part of that or a subset of that can be storytelling. Now, all of you are storytellers. Some of you are really good storytellers, right? I mean, before church even started, you guys were swapping stories, what did you do for Christmas? What did you have for the meal? What family were in town? What leftovers did you have for breakfast, right? Like we all do le- stories all the time. Like all of you are fantastic storytellers. And Christmas is saturated with stories that point to Jesus, both visible and also kind of not as visible, unless you know the, the background, right down to Santa's red outfit and the white fur on his coat 
cape, whatever that thing is, right? Like, if you know the story, that can point back to Jesus and back to a man who, who loved Jesus. So this morning, kind of a fun morning, a little bit different, my hope is to simply to equip you with stories so that later on, as you're having conversations with people and stuff comes up and maybe someone asks about this or makes a comment about that, you can be like, well, actually, there's a story to that. And then as you have availability to segue into spiritual conversations with people. Romans 1.19. Um, For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. God has embedded stories about him and his character all throughout nature. That's what we read in, in, in Romans 1.19. But we can also look back and see stories or, or how God's nature has been embedded in stories in culture and history and even biology and chemistry and in art and in music. Uh, I remember one neat story. Um, I forget, this was from my mission days, but a gal... Um, had grown up in a, in, a, in a non-Christian country, may have even been a communist country, had never heard anything about Jesus. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But she was an art history major. And as she's studying art history, she's like, why are all these people doing art around this Jesus guy? Like, all over the world. Like, throughout all the centuries. Like, it wasn't like, here's the art during this century. Like, it's like all the centuries and all these people groups have art around this Jesus guy. And so she looked into it. And now she's a Christian because she was an art history major, right? Like the stories are just embedded all around us. Learn the stories. Teach the stories to your kids. Share the stories. Become a storyteller. And then if opportunity presents itself, use the story to segue into a spiritual conversation. So today it's stories from secular Christian traditions. So, what day was Jesus born? We have no idea. Let's just start with that. We have no idea what day Jesus was born, but we celebrate it on December 25th. To understand December 25th, you have to go back quite a ways, early Rome, um, long before Jesus was born. The Romans had a day where they would celebrate the sun and the days getting longer. So winter solstice, right, that's the shortest day of the year. This year is December 25th. From the winter solstice forward, the days will get longer and longer and longer. And so the Romans had this tradition of having a celebration around that time to celebrate and in some cases worship the sun and the days getting longer. So 336 AD, a lot of these Romans had now become Christians. They're following Christ, the leader of the church, Pope Julius I, says, that's not working for us. We need to replace that. So he designates December 25th, not as a day to worship the sun, as in the giant ball of burning gas. Rather, we're going to use that day to worship the Son of God. And so he sets aside December 25th to celebrate the the, the worship of, of Jesus, right? So, as an alternative to this pagan holiday. So, even the date, December 25th, if you know the story, points you towards Jesus. 
So continue to fast forward. Christians are meeting regularly, um, and they're meeting on this special day, on, you know, because they would meet on Sundays, but then they would also meet on December 25th because they would celebrate and they would honor, because that's the day just to focus in on the fact that Jesus came to this earth and thank you, God, and that kind of thing. And as you know, they would gather for a communion and a Catholic tradition. They would call that Mass. But this particular day was celebrated to have a Mass in honor of Christ. Or they, another thing that they would call would be Christ's Mass. Christmas. So if you know the story, the very name Christmas harkens back to a tradition of saying, let's have a day dedicated to celebrating Jesus and the day he came because it was a Mass in honor of Christ. Santa Claus. I love the story of Santa Claus. Uh, now I love the story of Santa Claus. Um, roughly 300 A.D., probably a little bit before. A guy by the name of Nicholas is born in uh, Patera. Um, today that is southern, uh, it's on the coast. That's going to become uh, relevant um, in Turkey. Um, he's born into a wealthy family, but his parents died when he was young. But they raised their son to be a devout Christian. So we've got this guy, Nicholas, devout Christian, um, big inheritance from his wealthy parents. As he grows up, the words of Jesus, sell what you owe and give all the money to the poor, he takes that to heart. And he begins to use his wealth that he inherited to bless others, particularly the poor, the needy, the sick, the suffering, that kind of thing. He continues to grow in leadership in the church and eventually becomes Bishop of Myra, which is a port city. This is going to become hugely significant. Um, he gains reputation for being generous to those in need. He gains a reputation for his love of children um, and also his concern for sailors, right? It's a port city, so he's administered all these sailors and ships and all these people coming in and out and, and that kind of thing. In fact, today he is considered the patron saint of sailors, merchants, archers, uh, repentant thieves, children, brewers. I didn't know brewers had their own patron saint. Pawnbrokers, I will come back to that because that, that cracks me up, and students. So St. Nicholas loves the poor, he loves children, he gives generously to them, but he always tried to do so anonymously, right, if, if he could give it without, without them knowing about it. Well, Nicholas finds out about a man, and, and the story is very little bit, whether or not he was poor or he was originally wealthy and fell on hard times or that kind of thing. This man had three daughters, and he was now in a place where he did not have money for a dowry for his three daughters. So back then what would happen is when a couple got married, the, the father of the bride would give a dowry. It was a financial gift to the couple, and it was help, to help them get started on their feet. Well, the, the, the dowry was, I mean, like that was it. Like it was all about the dowry. No dowry, your daughter's probably not going to get married, honestly. Like it, it's financial. So it was, so it's a pretty kind of... Uh, depressing, dark thing if you don't have a dowry for your daughter. So um, Nicholas finds out about this story, and he wants to give money to this family. And legend has it, and he liked to do it anonymously, so he, he walked by at night, and he flipped some money in the window. Now, some stories say that he did all, that he gave money for all three daughters on one night. Some stories say that it was you know, he gave one one night and then came back later when the next daughter was getting money and, and flipped some. And then on the third night, you know, the dad waited up late, late to see who it was and chased him down and found out who it was and, and that kind of thing. Well, this became known as the story of the, the three 
daughters. Um, and Landon, why don't you pull up that first piece of artwork? So um, here you can see, so here we have St. Nicholas. We have the bag of money. You have the three daughters. Some of the stories or legends held is that when he flipped it into the window, there were, they had laid out some stockings to dry by the fire, and so the money landed in or near the stockings or the shoes that were, that were by the fire. And so if you know the story, you can take stockings hung by a fire and segue into a story about a man who loved Jesus and then who is Jesus. This story would later be, would eventually be depicted in every known art form at the time. Frescoes, altars, panels, windows, books, scriptures, stone walls, carvings, engravings, architecture, even theatrical plays. And I told you this was a port city. Sailors took this story everywhere because Nicholas, or eventually Saint Nicholas, as he was eventually deemed a saint, right? He was our patron saint. And so it spread as far as Italy, England, France, Belgium, Germany, Greece, Crete, Macedonia, uh, Bulgaria, Serbia, Kosovo, Romania, Georgia, Estonia, the Netherlands. Pretty much every place where there was a known Christian enclave had this story. And so you can clip, um, go through the next piece of artwork. It's a little bit different. Here again, you see St. Nicholas dropping off the money. That's probably the dad in the corner in the window um, catching him, waiting up for him. Next picture. Um, here we have him throwing in, um, some say there was a bag of money. Some say there was three gold balls. So here you see him throwing in three gold balls through the window. And again, there's reference to the stockings. You'll see the one girl's helping the other girl with her, with her shoes or with her stockings. Um, there, it, there's kind of someone peeking in the back corner. That might be the dad again. Um, next slide. Um, here again, he's dropping it in the window, dad in the corner. And then you have the three daughters. I don't know if there was another one after this. Maybe that was it. Are there any more? Okay, yeah, one more. Once again, here, it looks more like a gold ball on that one. And again, he's dropping off for, for the three daughters. Just Google St. Nicholas three daughters. Like, it is everywhere in artwork, in history. It just, it went, it went wild. Um, I've told you, yeah, in, in some places, or in some stories, show uh, three um, gold balls. Um, the, the tradition of giving gifts to children, the tradition of stockings hung by a fire, um, all of it are in honor of this man who loved Jesus, wanted to love people like Jesus, used his money to bless the poor like Jesus everywhere. So St. Nicholas dies on December 6, 343 A.D., and they eventually begin to honor him on that day. So December 6th becomes St. Nicholas Day, a day to celebrate his memory um, and just and honor this, this saint. It is widely celebrated throughout Europe. And in fact, in places like Germany and Poland, in honor of this gentleman on, De on December 6th, because remember, this guy was a bishop, right? Um, these boys would dress up in a bishop's outfit, so a red outfit, and then they would beg for alms for the poor... Pretty much like what the Salvation Army does every Christmas, right? Every time you walk by that guy outside Walmart, like, ringing a bell, that harkens back, in a way, to St. Nicholas begging for alms for the poor, dressed up like the bishop. All right, um, go to the, the next slideshow. History Channel has um, a show called Pawn Stars. This is one of the guys. I don't know his name. Um, but they have this pawn shop in Las Vegas. People come in and they sell 
wild, crazy historical things and that kind of thing. Next slide. Zoom in on his shirt. Three gold balls connected by a stem. Next two pictures. This is the international symbol for pawn shops all over the world. Three gold balls. And it all harkens back to St. Nicholas, a leader in the church who loved Jesus, who wanted to be like Jesus. And so every time like I see a clip of this show, I giggle just a little bit because that guy, pretty sure he's not a Christian, I forget his name, every time he puts on his work polo shirt and goes to the shop, he has a little symbol that harkens back to a man who loved Jesus, whether he knows it or not. The universal symbol for pawn shops points to Jesus. Um, so going back to the holidays, we've got two holidays. We've got December 25th. That's Christ's Mass. Um, there's no tradition around giving gifts or, or anything like that. It was just to remember, um, just to remember Christ. But then also on December 6th, we have this holiday of recognizing St. Nicholas. And in honor of St. Nicholas, we're giving gifts and chocolate to kids and that kind of thing. So the Reformation comes along, and they say, we don't worship the saints. We're getting rid of, rid of all the saint holidays. Now, there's a couple of factors that, that come into play. But somehow in all this process, St. Nicholas and St. Nicholas Day kind of survives, kind of when they were getting rid of that. And they think part of it is simply that the kids really liked getting gifts on December 6th. And so they petitioned the parents, the Protestant parents, can we not give up the tradition of giving gifts on December 26th? And so the Protestants compromised and basically merged the two holidays together. So our Christmas tradition, or our modern Christmas day, is actually really a merger of two separate holidays. One is December 25th, Christ's Mass, and the other one is December 6th in honor of St. Nicholas, a guy who loved Jesus and gave gifts to the poor and the children and that kind of thing. Now, I told you how the story of Nicholas, or St. Nicholas, spread all throughout the, the world, and so in each of these different parts of the country, right, they're starting to develop their own traditions around this. But then also during that time, people are starting to immigrate to, the, to America, and America is just this melting pot of all these different cultures. And so you have the Germans showing up, and they're telling the story of, of St. Nicholas, and as they call him, St. Nicholas. Uh, you have the Dutch showing up, they're telling the story, except they called him Sinterklaas, which is Santa Claus. Um, you've got um, the British showing up, and they're talking about Father Christmas or Old Man Christmas. You have the French showing up, talking about, uh, I can't speak French, Pere Noel. Um, in Austria and Germany, they now kind of have a new tradition of, of the Christ kind, which is this golden-haired baby with wings who is baby Jesus. Well, Christ kind is where we get Chris Kringle. So America, as this multi melting pot, has all these different traditions and all these different names. But again, pretty much all of them harken back to this leader in the church who loved Jesus and was generous with his money and tried to point people towards Jesus. I told you St. Nicholas was a bishop in the church. Um, so he's the leader of all the churches in the area. Um, you can show the next slide. Bishops wear red robes. 
but he was also popular in northern Europe, and in northern Europe gets cold, so when they started to draw pictures of him, they added fur lining around the hood because that's what they did with their clothing in the area when it's cold. So even pictures of the red robe and the hat and the fur lining, like even his outfit, in a way points to Jesus because you've got this guy out in the cold giving gifts of money and giving gifts to the poor. And that's even where you get the outfit of Santa Claus. The um, last story I'll share with you, a little bit longer story, story of the Christmas tree. Story of the Christmas tree is now one of my favorite stories around Christmas. Simply, it, 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 it harkens back to an almost um, Mount Carmel-esque showdown of whose God is stronger. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's a story of Elijah, right? And you have all these prophets of Baal, and he says, all right, let's have a showdown. Let's see whose God is Israel. Let's see whose God is stronger. And so they do all their worship, and nothing happens. And then he does his worship, and fire comes down and consumes their altar, and God wins, right? It's a pretty neat story. guy by the name of Winfred. Uh, he's born around 680 A.D. He's born in England. Um, he enters a Benedictine monastery, uh, becomes a priest, um, smart guy, good leadership ability, uh, becomes a missionary, and is eventually sent uh, into the um, kind of the Germanic area by Pope Gregory II, um, who nicknamed him uh, Boniface. Um, an incident, so both Boniface and Nicholas, just as a heads up in all this, also suffered persecution. You should know that both of them had prison time and, and all, like it was, it was tough living. So anyway, 723 AD, Boniface is traveling in Lower Hesse, Hesse, H-E-S-S-E, um, group of Germanic people, and in the middle of the winter, they would do a sacrifice, often a child sacrifice or a human sacrifice, to the god Thor at the base of this sacred oak tree. Now, Thor has really popped up in, in culture again today because of Marvel Comics, right? Like he's one of the characters and Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth and whatnot, and so you've got this character, Thor, and he does lots of stuff with lightning and whatever else. Well, all that harkens back to this Germanic god that they worshipped and this, at, at this oak tree where, where they would do this. So obviously, as a missionary and as a Christian, he has issue with all of it, the child sacrifice, the, the, the pagan worship, everything. And so he decides to, to do something about this. So he steps into this environment, and legend holds that he arrived in time to stop a child sacrifice. Or I don't know if that's true or not, or at least he, he showed up on this day. And there's a bit of a showdown, kind of like what we see, um, you know, with Elijah and Mount, Mount Carmel and that kind of thing. As a bit of a side... Okay? I've done enough work and, and ministry and training and, and that kind of thing that the spiritual realm is real. So when you have a group of people engaging in arguably a demonic practice complete with sacrifice, complete with child sacrifice, that's not nothing. Okay, like there are demonic entities involved in that. So for this guy as a missionary to step into that and challenge that He's not challenging anything, right? And, and you'll see that actually he comes out of it unhurt. 
And that's not because there's nothing going on, like there's a lot going on. The reason he came out of that unscathed is simply because the Spirit of God protected this man as to what's going on. So there's a lot that we can unpack there. But I don't want you to assume that, that they've got some kind of basically demonic altar sacrifice going on and nothing's happening in the spiritual realm. Actually, a lot is happening in the spiritual realm. So Boniface shows up, and he says, you shouldn't be doing this. And as a challenge, and they said, um, uh, let's see, where was it? Anyways, they, he, he grabs an axe, and he proceeds to cut down their sacred oak tree. And they're freaking out because they're convinced that Thor is going to strike him with lightning and kill him. And actually, there's artwork for that, too. You can pull up those pictures. Um, that, so in this one, again, you see him going after the, the oak tree. And in, in, uh, you can go to the next picture as well, too. Um, you kind of see this contrast between Christians on one side, um, the, you know, kind of the, the, the priests of Thor on the right. Here they've got a sacrifice. It's not a child sacrifice, but, um, so that's good. But you see him hacking down this, this tree. So he cuts down the tree. And you know what? Nothing happens to him. He survives. And better yet, you know what they do with that tree? They build a chapel to worship Jesus on that very spot. And in fact, you can actually go, and this is actually that very same spot today. This is, um, where is it? I think it's St. Peter's Church in Fitzer, Germany. And out front, they have a statue. And when you zoom in, in on the statue, this is the back of it. You've got Boniface standing on a tree stump holding an axe. Because this is where the showdown happened where that happened. Now, in missions and ministry, there, there's kind of a good practice. You don't want to just delete something. You want to replace it, right? Rather than just saying, hey, stop doing that, it's better to say, rather than do that, you should do this instead. So legend holds that he cuts down the oak tree. Nothing happens. Uh, and then he turns to the group of people and he says, where is it? Legend holds he turns to a small fir tree and he says, this little tree... A young child of the forest shall be your holy tree. It is the wood of peace. It is the sign of endless life. Its leaves are evergreen. See how it points upwards towards heaven. Let this be called the tree of the Christ child. Gather around it, not in the wild wood, but in your own homes. There it will shelter no deeds of blood, but loving gifts and rites of kindness. And so the tradition became to take the small fir tree, bring it into your home, hang it from the ceiling. I don't know why they hung it from the ceiling. They hung it from the ceiling, upside down. Eventually, we obviously changed that. And then they would decorate it. And they would decorate it with candles, and I'm not sure how many homes burned down before they realized candles were not the best idea, but they decorated it with candles, which is why we wrap lights all around the fir tree, and then this, this was the tradition. Our modern Christmas tree is a reminder that once upon a time, there was a man who loved Jesus, and he was literally willing to enter violent communities and intervene in human sacrifice and have basically a spiritual showdown and say, you worship a false god, and I will prove it 
by destroying your altar in front of you when he cut down that oak tree and replacing it with the fir tree as a means of reminding them and drawing them back to Christ as compared to worshiping Thor. Folks, the gospel is all around us. When it comes to proclaiming Christ, you are not on your own. There are literally stories all around you. Find those stories. Use them in your conversations. Even in your own profession. This is just Christmas. I bet with a little bit of reflection, you can even find stories within your own profession that in some way point to Christ. The gospel stories are embedded all around us. See them, use them, share them, and proclaim the message of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are... uh, So grateful for the Christmas season for so many reasons. But Lord, even in the things that seem secular, even the things that seem ridiculous, there are stories and messages of you, of people who loved you, people who wanted the world to know about you, people who walked in faith and hope and holiness and bravery and self-sacrifice. And Lord, I pray for this group that is gathered here this morning, that as the Christmas season ends, Lord, that you would continue to guard and protect their hearts and their minds, Lord, and that you would provide opportunity for us to share stories. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.